Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We're going to talk about Jesus this morning. And really, we'll front, front load this whole book of Colossians that we're going to look at is this, that our lives, we are all revolving around something and that Christians believe that life works better when it revolves around Jesus. So we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 and as Barry encouraged you it's a small book you can read through this this week and over the next couple of weeks and get a sense of it all Paul says for this reason he's reading uh, writing to a church that he hasn't even met yet by the way for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you praying from prison because he was imprisoned as he wrote this we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will to all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, bearing, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people, in the kingdom of light for he has re rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins we all revolve around something christians believe that life works better when we revolve around jesus now i'm going to trigger warning for a few of you at home particularly the mums ladies Guys too, you can all do your washing as well, but trigger warning. We had a washing machine before our current one that whenever it went into the spin cycle, you thought that our house literally was going through a Series 9 earthquake. I don't know if you guys have ever had one of these sorts of washing machines, but certain times in the cycle when the clothes clumped off centre, you thought the whole house was going to shake down. I mean, the, the foundations of the house were shaking when this washing machine would go off and you would see that shaking happening and you'd have to go and stop the cycle, pull the lid open. You've, you've done this, right? <laughs> Get all your clothes about, recenter them properly around the washing machine so that you can make sure that this thing doesn't shake itself and, frankly, your house to death. That was an off-balanced washing machine. And in many ways, our lives are like washing machines. Have you ever seen an off-centred person? Have you ever been an off-centred person? We see it all the time. At the least level, there are those that are angry, those that are frustrated, those that are impatient, those that have to get their way. At the other end of the spectrum, there are those that are off-centred that are dealing at the toughest levels with addictions. In fact, I was speaking to someone this week, pastorally, who was dealing with an addiction and they said to me, Sam, I wonder what it's like for, for non-addicts. And I said to them, there's no such thing as a non-addict. <laughs> Everyone's an addict. <laughs> it's just that those that are dealing with drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be, it's obvious, but there's no such thing as a non-addict because fundamentally the scriptures will say, we'll see this in Colossians, you see it throughout the whole Bible, you see it in life, fundamentally... Everyone is addicted to something and at the deepest level, people are ultimately addicted to themselves. 
I'm sure you've seen this in an unscented person. That's what drives the abuse of substances or whatever it is. Most often, we are revolving around ourselves. And you know this because you see this on memes. Oh, you don't need the Bible. You've got Instagram and memes. <laughs> in fact, that's, that's how most people live their Christianity at the moment. <laughs> Instagram. But you've, you, you may well have seen this particular meme that is out there around the world. And the meme goes like this. It says this. You do you, boo. <laughs> Ever seen that meme? You do you, boo. Now, for those uninitiated, you do you, boo means, it means basically you do what you want to do. Whenever your life pushes up against a rule or if it pushes up at the big picture against morality, if it pushes up against morality, if it pushes up against an opinion that you don't like, well then, you do you, boo. You push back against that. Don't submit to that. Don't do that. As Burger King says in the States, have it your way. Robert Bella, the American sociologist, said, as people, we believe in the dignity, indeed the sacredness of the individual. Anything that would violate our right to think for ourselves, judge for ourselves, make our own decisions, live our lives as we see fit is not only morally wrong, but it's sacrilegious. I love that line. Our, our highest and noblest aspirations are closely linked to our individualism. And you know what? When I hear this, I sort of go, I can kind of agree with that. And the reason is because you and I have grown up, we've been brought up in this Western individualized culture where the first commandment of not the Bible, of individualism says, you do you boo. You do you boo. You find yourself. You be yourself. You find the way to live your life. You run your world, which is... Uh, on the surface of it, it often feels like a, a, great, a great way to be. It sounds quite reasonable. You are the centre of the world. But whilst this feels like it's authentic expression of who we are and what we're meant to be, it's got a problem. At least there's a problem for it for me. And it's this. You do you, boo, is not only exhausting, it's terrifying. <laughs> It's exhausting because you've got the burden of running your own life and living your own life. But at the broader level, it's terrifying because if the first commandment of individualism is you do you, boo, then who's running the world? You. <laughs> and that's a t if, if you talk about my life, that's a terrifying thought. I can't even work out whether I want to lose weight or eat ice cream. I'm, I'm morally conflicted during lockdown. <laughs> If that type of guy is running the world, then heaven help us. <laughs> let me put it another way. and Let me press in on you, particularly if you're not a churchy type person or you're not a follower of Jesus. If, if the first commandment of individualism is you do you boo, how's that working for you? How's that going for you? You find every now and then that your life begins to shake he has to bang against the walls, <laughs> not the walls of a house, but of the relationships you're a part of, things that you say and do that you regret, things that you're frustrated with. Y your life begins shaking because ultimately we're revolving around us. And thankfully, the good news this morning that we see from the book of Colossians, and we're going to get there, is that Jesus offers you an alternative. He's inviting you into this this morning. I'm not going to force you into this. I'm not going to convince you into this. But Jesus invites you into an alternative and Paul gets to that alternative when he says here in verse 13 of Colossians 1, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Now, 
if you're like me, the first thing I'm thinking of when I hear those words, the dominion of darkness, I, I, it immediately conjures up this sense of uh, some 80s horror film, you know, like The, the Gate or uh, Evil Dead or any of those. I, you know, I think dominion of darkness of these sort of rabid demonic wolves running after me. But that's not really what the scriptures are talking about here. He didn't pluck you out of an 80s horror film. <laughs> the, the dominion of, of darkness... Really, what he's talking about is it's it's the it's the worldwide uh, sociological phenomenon of what Dallas Willard calls uh, sin, and sin is not good deeds or bad deeds. Sin is simply human flesh inhabited by self-interest. Sin, sin's not good deeds, bad deeds, whether you're a good or bad person. Sin is you do you boo, you do you boo. And Paul says the good news for you and I and for the Colossians at that time is there was a point in time when you do you boo was the only reference point that humanity had had until Jesus enters the world. And God says in his kingdom of light, there is there's another way. There's another way to think. And your choice now, your choice, it still is a choice, the freedom to choose. Do you want to live life your way or do you want to live life his way? Do you want to live on the basis of you do you boo? Or as Jesus would say, let me lead you boo. <laughs> That's gospel. That's in the Bible. <laughs> let me lead you boo. That's his, that's his invitation to you. Put that on a meme. Can we put that on a meme, Kristen? Le okay, she's my social media expert. I don't, I don't know how to use Instagram, really. And you thought I was the younger generation. <laughs> TikTok. We could TikTok that. There's a difference. And what, what Paul is saying all throughout Colossians is that there is a difference. That was the reality of what Paul was dealing with, with the Colossians, is saying there is a different way of living here. There is a different way of thinking here. That, and you know this because your parents said this to you. There comes a point in our lives when we're given the difference between darkness and light that your parents say to you when you're 8 or 10 years old and you've misbehaved, you should know... Write it in the comments. <laughs> you should know better. See, Christianity is just that, that we've come to a revelation that there is a different way of living outside of ourselves, sin, sin of self-interest. There's a different way of living. And in many respects, we should know better as Christians. To go from darkness to light is for a Christian is to have this revelation, this revelation that really is the summary of this entire book. So if you don't want to read it, I'm going to give you the summary of this entire couple of hundred page book that we call the Bible. You ready for it? There is a God and you're not it. There we go. That should just be titled, There is a God and you're not it. And that's what it means to come from the kingdom of darkness, not some 80s horror movie, into the kingdom of light, is to go, there is a God and I'm not it. The world doesn't revolve around me. And that is the good news that Paul says is spreading throughout the countryside that he's thankful for and he's grateful for because he's saying these Colossians, they've got a great faith, they've got a dynamic faith, it's going really well, but there's a threat to the faith. And when you look throughout the book of Colossians, you'll see that there were two key threats to the faith of the Colossians. The first one is they were getting hyped up because they thought that there was some secret knowledge. You know, you had every ordinary, every ordinary day Christians and then you had the Christians that had discovered the secret knowledge. Frankly, there are a lot of Christian churches that can behave like that today, right? But then the more significant threat in all of this, that in their 
polytheistic, their many God, mystical type of religions is that they had gone and they'd taken the little bobblehead Jesus that you do. They didn't have them back then. I'm just it's an analogy. They're going to put their little bobblehead Jesus on their dashboards of their car along with all the other gods that they have there. And so as a result, Jesus now in their minds was becoming less than God. Jesus was just another one of these gods that can help you out. Jesus was becoming less than God. And I think the reason is this, and you think this is, this is an ancient problem. <laughs> it's the same principle a couple of thousand years ago as it is for us today. And it's this, I think the problem for them and for us and why this is such a threat that you think of Jesus as less than God is this. I think that people, people can see Jesus as a person with authority, did the miracles, did all sorts of cool stuff. But it's a lot harder to see Jesus as our authority. It's easy to see him as a person with authority. It's a lot harder to see him as our authority. And you know what we do with Jesus instead when we start putting him as a bobblehead on the dashboard of our car when he's just less than God? You know what we do? We start treating Jesus not as Lord. We start treating him as our life coach. <laughs> right? I see this as a pastor all the time. People come to me and say, yeah, I'm having problems with my marriage. I'm having problems with my career. I wonder if Jesus can help. I'm, I'm having problems with my anger. How could Jesus help me? I'm having problems with my relationships. Do you think Jesus could help Pastor Sam? And what have I got to give up in order to get this from Jesus? And maybe, maybe you were like me when I was... 23 years of age, it sort of kind of went like this when I decided to go to Canada. I thought, you know what, Jesus, I've, I've grown up with you all my life and I know about you, but there's some things that I know are kind of not cool with you. So if you could just let me go over there and do my thing for the next year or so, and then, and then I'll come back and you'll be right here. So if you could just stay there, Jesus, I'm going to go there. You stay here. And when I come back, I'm just wondering, could you be there for when tragedy strikes or when I really need you? Or I need some inspiration. Do you reckon that would be cool, Jesus? Have you ever made that type of bargain with him? <laughs> and then it hit me. And I don't, know, I don't know for you. I don't know any friends in my life. I don't know any human beings in my life that would allow the sort of relationship where we would say, you know what, I'm going to go away and do my thing. But if you could just stay around and hang around in order to meet my needs when it suits me, would that be okay? I don't know any human being any friend that would allow that type of relationship to happen this side of earth. And so the question is, why would Jesus allow that to happen? The point Paul's trying to say here is, is that Jesus didn't come to be your life coach. He says then in verse 15, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth and all the visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things are being created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. <laughs> Does that sound like the sort of person that would be happy hearing, mm, no, don't, don't call me, Jesus will call you. Jesus didn't come to be your life coach and he'd make a horrible life coach, by the way. <laughs> because he came to be your Lord. And when he comes to be your Lord, he says, the very power that I'm holding Jupiter around the sun with is the sort of power that I want to give you at the center of your life to hold your life together. You want me as a life coach 
or as a Lord. He'd make a horrible life coach. Life coaches, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't come you know, so you could come to him and get a, get a Myers-Briggs diagram and a strategic plan for the next five years of your life. Jesus says, I've come into your life to be the authority over all of your life. As uh, Louis Giglio says that fundamentally the essence of the book of Colossians is Jesus in me changing everything. And if you're asking, how can Jesus help me? You're, you're asking the wrong question. Because he didn't come to make bad people nicer. He came to make dead people alive. You'll see that in chapter 3 where he says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Since then, you don't live like every other human being. Set your heart on the things above. Set your mind on on the things above, because your life is hid with Christ in God. Jesus did not come to make you nicer. He came to make you new. New. So let him be your Lord. Bring him into the center, to which I know we, we all struggle with authority, right? We just, and this is not a, a modern problem. Two-year-olds have problems with authority, right, parents? We struggle with anyone that's going to cut across our world. It's just a human thing. And so I know that we're going to have challenges in calling Jesus our Lord. But I guess my question for you in that is, well, who knows you better than he? Who do you think knows you best? If you want to, to, in this classic modern individualistic way, want to know what it is that makes you thrive and flourish and be authentic, then let me ask you this question, that who better to share that information with you and to lead you into that information is the very one who made you, who loves you, who created you. It says he's the creator of all things. Who knows you better? Who knows you better? You or the one who made you? (laughs) Even I don't know myself that well. Jesus in me changing everything. So I guess as we finish this morning, the question is, how do you know if you're making Jesus your Lord or your life coach. How do you know if you're making Jesus your Lord or life coach? I'm going to give you a couple of litmus tests before we go. How do you know that you've brought Jesus into the center of your life? You make him your Lord. How do you know that you've made him your Lord? Here's the first thing. You're willing to admit that there is a God and you're not it. (laughs) Sin is not good deeds or bad, bad deeds. Sin is not that you're a bad person. Sin at its core is you do you, boo. Sin is I rule my world. Sin is I rule the world. Sin is it all centers around me. How's it working for you? And can I ask you that if you are struggling with life at the moment, if life feels like it's shaking like a washing machine that's about to bring the house down, then maybe you need to bring Jesus at the center of your life. And the way that you do that is that you're willing to admit that there is a God and you're not it. Here's the other one. You're willing to stay when things don't go your way. (laughs) You're willing to stay when things don't go your way. Does his word push against you? Are there things in the scriptures, are there things in the way that he leads you with that you push up against and go, I don't like what the scriptures say about greed or about morality or about my marriage or about the way that I'm, I don't like that. (laughs) Do you stay? Do you sit in the tension? Do you agree to stay even when you disagree with Jesus, because the minute that we 
disagree with what he says in the way that we're to live our life and we walk the other way, then we do the very thing that Paul was saying was a threat to the Colossian church. We make Jesus less than God. We make Jesus our life coach, not our Lord. And that is the wrestle for you this morning. (laughs) Which dynamic will lead your life? You do you, boo, or let me lead you, boo. (laughs) See, because the degree degree to which you can handle life is not the degree to which bad stuff happens to you. It's the degree to which you react to the things around you. And Jesus' promise is that when you center your life around him, he will hold your life together with the same power that Jupiter has been held around the sun. He says, I'll hold you together. But that's for next week. But, says Jesus, on one condition, on one condition only, I only sign up for this gig if you make me Lord, not life coach. And it only works if I'm Lord and not life coach. And so here's how you make him Lord. You ask yourself this question, and this is what I want us to do as you head off into your week this week. Here's what I want you to do every time that washing machine of yours starts to go crazy on its spin cycle and you need to stick your hands down in there. This could include you two guys. When you're getting in the the washing machine, allow that to be the trigger for you this week. It's going to (laughs) happen. There are going to be loads of washing to do. Every time that you go into that moment, you ask this question. And the question's not WWJD. The question is HWJLMLIHWI. You just ask yourself, not what would Jesus do, but how would Jesus lead my life if he were I? Every time you go into an argument with a partner or a spouse, every time that you're frustrated with the kids, every time that you're feeling anxious about what your future might mean, every time that you're getting riled up about a particular opinion that you've read on social media, ask yourself that question. How would Jesus lead my life if I were in that situation? And you know what? If we do that this week, if we each commit to asking ourselves that in each and every situation, then you know what's going to emerge this week? There's going to be 200 and something, 300 and something, little mini Jesus. That's plural for Jesus. 200 mini Jesus leading their lives, his created, unique, purposed life individually for the way that he has created you. There's the individualism lived with Jesus at the center, changing everything. And church, when we do that and when we take this seriously and when we try that and experiment with that, then in that moment, he is progressively overrunning, overtaking this dominion of darkness, human flesh inhabited by self-interest with his kingdom of light. That is your choice ahead of you this week. Or you do you, boo. Let's pray. Father, as Paul prayed for the Colossians, it's clear that we need your help in this. He prays, and I pray this over each and every one of us, that we may live lives worthy of the calling that you have given us, 
that we would be bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, Father, that there would be Northsiders strengthened with all power according to your glorious might this week, that, that we as a church and as individuals might have great endurance and patience, and that we would be a church and believers that are joyful and giving thanks to you, Father, for the way in which you have qualified us, that you have made us worthy before we did anything worthy in and of ourselves to be right with you because of the work of Jesus. Work in us this week, Holy Spirit, we would pray. Help us in this, we would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact us at northsidechurch.org.au today.